Welcome to Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. Greg Richard joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you once again, braving the wet. Yeah, just a, well, just a damp. It's not a wet out there quite yet, but... Right, a, uh, a dampness. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cooling off for the uh, the plants. They're absolutely loving it out there. You can just see them going... <sighs> exactly. Well, I think there's going to be more hot weather coming up on the Thursday, Friday, so... Jeez, oh, they are going to need a bit of yeah. a drink then over the next couple of days <laughs> just to cool down. What do you got for us today, Scott? And I thought we'd talk about picking the pumpkins. Oh, right. Yeah. We didn't get to that last week. No, we didn't, so we will get to it this week because uh, there's only a finite time if you want to make that carriage and go after the ball. <laughs> Yep, make sure you've got your glass slippers. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Dollar Spot uh, is in the lawns, especially with this little bit of rain as well. And uh, looking forward just to getting ready your getting your beds ready for sweet peas and the planting of those beautiful... Our, be- our beds ready? Yes, the, the planting bed, the soil. Ah, right, yes. yes. Right, now I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> and Scott, she mentioned we tried to talk about it last week, but we ran out of time, but pumpkins, we've got to be pulling them out now or...? Yeah, it's almost a pumpkin picking time. <laughs> We just had a little bit of pumpkin picking music then. That we we could have had the old banjo going there, but look, I'm sure. I'm look, not everyone that has the pumpkin plays the banjo. I'm sure. I'm sure. I can almost guarantee that. <laughs> now you mentioned Cinderella. I, I thought it was Rapunzel. That's how I go with my nursery rhymes and things yep. like that. And yeah, it's, it's, she had the pumpkin carriage. Carriage. She had the mice that turned into the horses. Yep. And this is where the, the bad stepmother comes from as well. Oh, right, yeah. Is yes. That, is that how it all started? I think that's that's where Cinderella had the poor stepmothers who she didn't like too much, were very cruel to her. And the stepsisters. Ste- stepsisters, that's where anyway, it is. As, as much as I love to go on about fairy tales. So. <laughs> I was calling them nursery yeah. rhymes, so there are fairy tales. Fairy aren't tales, they? nursery yes, rhymes, yeah. Yes, yeah. But what are we doing with our pumpkins? Well, what we're going to do with our pumpkin is, is not a fairy tale. We're actually going to get it. We're going to give it a little bit of a knock, like we're knocking on the door. Yep. And if we hear it get a little bit hollow, you get that ring. It's time to pick it, get it off the ground. Yep. And if your hand goes straight through, it's no good. Yeah, it's, it's jack-o'-lantern time <laughs> by then. It's, it's all it's Halloween time. You've left it on there far yep. too long. So it does need that hollow sound. The other uh, trick you can, uh, you know, sort of test to see if your pumpkin's ready to go is if the stalk is just starting to shrivel and going brown. Yep. Uh, that's a that's your visual cue. And then you go and give it the, uh, the audible cue and give it the knock and see what's happening then. I guess the other thing you can do is also, uh, you know, if the ground's getting a bit wet, you can also just raise it up a little bit uh, off the ground just to try and keep it dry. Um, like an old seedling tray, it's probably not a bad thing either because, yep. the, you know, it's got the perforated holes in there so the air can flow through so you won't get that rot in the bottom of the pumpkin. But, um, yeah, now is the time to uh, to be done with them and uh, get rid of them in, into the uh, into the fridge if you want to. They'll store a little bit of time in there. Um, but, yeah, generally... Uh, you need to pick them and get them off the ground. Right, eh? They usually last a fair while, though, outside of the fridge, don't they? Or Yeah, they are. I guess if you don't cut them, then they're, yeah. they're quite good. They've got their own little sealed container. Um, look, I think they're a really easy thing to grow around the, the garden as well because you literally just plant them. They, they ramble on, um, even if you've got, uh, you know, a spare bit of... Uh, you know, grass or an area out the back, you know, they'll just look, almost look after themselves. Fungal disease is the only thing they get. But uh, yep. if you've got it to this point, then if you haven't had to worry about that. Um, so, yeah, to go, give the pumpkin or the squash a go, the butternut or the, the big Queensland blue, perfect. They're the only two I know. Yeah, what about the, the big orange one, but I'm sure they yeah. bring those in from America <laughs> for Halloween. They, don't, they wouldn't be here at this time. Okay, excellent. So pumpkins, get a picking. Yep. And from Mannering Park, we've got Malcolm. He's got some curly leaf on his citrus. Good afternoon, Malcolm. How can we help you? Uh, good, uh, thanks, Scott. How are you? Yeah, pretty well, mate. 
yeah, look, I might citrus. I've got lime, lemon and kumquat. But for some reason, whenever I get new growth, I get the curly leaf. Yeah, look, unfortunately, that is a... Oh, bad. Yeah, it gets really, really bad at this time of year. And as you've picked, it only really affects the new growth. Now, the reason for that is because it's nice and soft and juicy. You will have noticed that, uh, you know, once the leaves harden up and go that darker green, then the citrus leaf miner doesn't attack that. Now, if you have a close look at those leaves, what you're going to find if you turn them over, you'll see that there's this sort of little white, I don't know, worm, I guess is probably the best way to describe it. It's in under the membrane of the soft, you know, light green leaf. And as it moves around there and chomps away, it's doing lots and lots of damage to the the structure of the leaf. And so once it does actually harden up and get a bit older, the leaf's effectively, you know, damaged all the, I guess, the the tracks and trails that the nutrients run around in all the cells have been damaged by this little guy just going in there and doing a whole lot of damage. Now, it's actually a... uh, a little pupa of a, uh, a moth that comes around and lands and it lays its eggs and then they hatch out. They go into the membrane of the leaf and do all that damage. The only thing you can really do at this time of year is, well, A, cut off that stuff that's affected now because that's not going to come good for you. And then you have to act preventatively um, by using a product like Eco Oil. Uh, it's, uh, it's very good for keeping citrus leaf miner under control. You have to use it about uh, you know, every one to two weeks and just generally spray around when you see new foliage and new growth coming uh, on the plant. So that's the, uh, that's the most important thing you can do. Uh, it's not going to get rid of it all, uh, unfortunately, but it will keep it you know, largely under control for you. So that's uh, citrus leaf miner. It's really bad on citrus at the moment. It will always attack when there's new growth. Uh, you just have to act pre- you know, preventatively and spray when you see those new shoots coming on. Right. Quick one for you. If yes. you've got ants crawling on, say, any fruit trees... That's not a good thing, is it? No, it probably isn't. Uh, look, they, they could just be coming up to uh, feed you know, off any sort of residue from the fruit, but yep. most likely you've got scale on the plant. Oh. Yeah, now scale's a little insect. Uh, it has a little residue as well. It's, you know, it eats, it sucks the sap out of the plant, and then it has this residue that the ants love. They'll come up, uh, they start to bring uh, mould spores up. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So all, all of a sudden becomes this, this sort of cycle of doom for the plant it's not very very good for the plant so you need to get rid of the cores and you need to get rid of the scale Uh, you can use products like anti-scale you can use eco oil or just clear white oil uh, to get rid of the scale they're generally in on the undersides of the leaves sometimes on uh, roses and citrus you'll see louse scale like with white stuff all up and down the trunk of the plant Uh, so you do need to spray to get that under control then generally the ants will go away and you won't have to worry about them too much more right because i've already spayed was it pyrethium? Yes. Okay. That'll get rid of the ants. Yeah, um, it didn't. It didn't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, might have, they might have just gone, you know, rubbed under the, uh, the yep. little arms and said, thank you very much. But unfortunately, the pyrethrum doesn't get through the waxy shell of the scale. Oh, okay. Uh, so you need to have some sort of oil in there that helps permeate through the, the waxy shell of the scale. Right. Something to look into. Okay. You have to go and uh, give it a good old drenching with some uh, white oil or something. Oh, great. Yes. <laughs> more work. More, more work, of course. And we've got Margaret from Warners Bay, and she's got a question about the mango tree. Good afternoon, Margaret. How can we help you? Hey, Margaret, how can we help you? Um, look, I have a mango tree, 
uh, which is about three years old. It's only small. I've kept it small. And um, I was wondering about the roots of the plant because it's very close to the house. It's only about a metre and a half away. Um, will the, will they do damage to my house? Yes, metre and a half away from mango tree, probably just a touch too close to the house. Now, you have to imagine if you don't keep the plant small and you let the plant take off and do its own sweet thing, it will get 8, 10, 12 metres tall and become very, very large. So you just have to imagine that a mango tree you know, even here in Newcastle are very, very big plants. They're also very quick growing. Um, so I think a metre and a half away is fantastic. If you're going to keep it, you know, pruned down to a certain size or shape, uh, not a big issue. But if you just blink for a couple of years and you don't keep it under control, all of a sudden you're going to have, you know, quite a large plant um, very close to the house. And it might not necessarily be the uh, the root system of the plant, but even the, the size of the trunk and the branches is going to get quite large. Mm, mm. No, it's it's a magnificent um, fruit, beautiful and heavy and, oh, big. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to cut it down, so I think I might let it go for a couple of years. Yeah, and look, and you don't think you can actually transplant it? It's It's gone a little bit too large for that, do you think? Mm, I think so. It's about six foot. Oh. I keep it down to about six foot. Yeah, so the root system might have got quite large, you know, in under the ground anyway, or, you know, quite, uh-huh. you know, not, not big enough that it's going to have harmed the house yet because mm-hmm. you're effectively bonsaiing it, um, mm-hmm. but probably just a little bit too big to, to dig out and transplant yeah. in that case, yeah. 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 Oh, well, thank you very much for that. Not a problem at all, Margaret, and thank you for the call. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we've got Peter from Sea Hampton, and he might have some advice for Margaret's mango tree as well. Good afternoon, Peter. How can we help you, mate? Oh, yeah, good afternoon, guys. Uh, just a couple of curious questions. Um, Margaret's tree, mango tree, is one and a half metres off the house. Um, like, I've got a little uh, chain trencher that will fit in that area. What happens if I trench down and cut the roots off? Will that affect the tree? Look, look it, it would affect the tree, I think, at this sort of young and tender age. She said it's only you know, a couple of years old, six foot tall. So the root system of that plant's probably not down that deep yet. Uh, so, you, look, you could do that. Uh, I, I would think, though, that if you let a, a, a tree like a mango, you know, sit in, you know, that close to the house, you know, and it gets to five, eight, ten years, then it's going to have some fairly large roots that, are, you know, that even getting rid of those surface roots is not going to, uh, you know, help it too much. It's still going to have big roots going in under the house that would do some damage. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like my, uh, it's like a big chainsaw. It'd probably go ch- cut down a metre. But I thought if, if I get the roots early enough, then they wouldn't have a chance to get thick enough because once they get thick, I can't cut through them. Yeah, look, at, it, it, again, it might, it might look after, you know, to sort of solve the problem for a short period of time, um, but then they're always going to want to grow back as well. Um, so, oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know that that would be a solution. I think a plant that size is just, you know, well too close at one and a half metres from the side of a house. Oh, yeah, yeah. totally agree. It's going to crack up a house when the roots grow, yeah. most definitely. I mean, look, it could be ideal. You could just open your window and, you know, there's just a mango there ready for you to pick. It, it'd be great. Oh, how lovely. <laughs>
<laughs> it, it would be. I mean, you'd have shade almost inside the house there with you. Yeah, that'd be uh, like utopia. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> have your fruit needed too. Yeah, it'd be, it would be great. Uh, yeah, it's only just a you know like a, a hand hand span away from being in the fridge, uh, and you can just pick it straight out of there. Mm. But uh, yeah, look, I was, I, I was quite surprised that she had such big big fruit off a young tree. Yeah, I was a bit surprised about that as well, but uh, it looks like she, you know, sounds like she looks after it. And it may be that, you know, a tree that size, you're only getting, you know, three or four um, pieces of fruit off it. Its root system might have, you know, got out big enough now that it can support that. Uh, it, it's, uh, I think when you, you know, people try and grow mangoes in a pot and that's just not successful then. Uh, the root system's not big enough in a pot to sustain that, you know, that level of moisture that a mango needs to grow properly. Yeah, anyway, but uh, thanks for the call, um, Peter. That's a good idea about the trenching. I still think it's a little bit too close to the house, though. Oh, definitely too close. Yeah. It's got to be like three, three metres off the house, I think, is the minimum. Oh, look, a- a- absolutely. Um, with a mango tree, it really is the sort of plant, you know, the size they get. Uh, you want it down, you know, in the backyard somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, that's right. I'm sure she'll be giving me a call in the future when the house starts to crack up. <laughs> Right, good on. Thanks for the call, Peter. See you later. Cheers. Bye bye. Cheers. Thanks, Peter. It's Guarding Talk back on 2 UFM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. You mentioned a couple other things today, Scott. Yes, uh, at the moment, uh, if you want to get your soil ready for the planting of the sweet pea. Oh, that's right, that's right. We're making our beds. Yes, making we make our beds. We're not going to lie in it this time, though. This is for the sweet pea to lie in. Uh, sweet peas like lovely sweet soil, mm-hmm. uh, so you need to put plenty of lime in there. The other thing you can do as well at the moment is to put some poultry manure in there as well. It's going to promote the green leafy growth of the plant, yep. uh, so you'd probably want to back that up later on with some sulphate of potash uh, but definitely at the moment uh, you know over the next month or so you'd be starting to put some lime into that soil where you're going to grow your sweet peas uh, look a really easy plant to grow um, fantastic perfume from the sweet pea there's the uh, taller growing ones there's uh, you know bijou the small growing one uh, so you don't need the old-fashioned trellis uh, like okay. you used to yep. with the, with the sweet pea, uh, but you can do that, and then you get plenty of plenty of flowers off those. But they do like that sweet, sweet soil. So some lime in the soil over the next month. Uh, and look, there is the old uh, you know school of thought here in Newcastle that you don't plant them until the humidity's gone. So that's why there's that's you know that St Patrick's Day sort oh, of rule. Right. Yep. Yeah, so that that sort of works for the sweet pea. But if the humidity has gone away, you could start to get them in the ground, uh, especially if you're going to go from seed. But seedlings, uh, you might just wait until some pat day because they are susceptible to fungal disease. So we're still, you know, a, you know, a month or so off at the moment, but a good time to prepare the beds. Excellent. Well, we've got Wendy from Maryland on the line. She's got a question about the hibiscus. Afternoon, Mary. How can we help you? It's Wendy. Wendy, sorry, Wendy. Wendy from Maryland. <laughs> Hi, Scott. I'm fine. Thank you. That's all right. Greg did say it the right way. I yeah. just transposed it there. <laughs> Not a problem. Sorry about that, Wendy. That's all right. I have days like that too. <laughs> um, I have a hibiscus tree. Um, the leaves are turning red and yellow. Um, it's the first time it's ever happened. I've had it planted for years. Um, and I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Yeah, so they're turning red and then just going yellow and dying off on the, on you, are they? Yeah, the flowers aren't opening. Um, it's, yeah, I don't know what's happening. It's never been like it before. 
Okay, Doug. Now, they do tolerate fairly dry conditions and well-drained conditions. Uh, is the area wet or uh, that you've got it in at the moment? or? Um, no, but we've had a lot of rain, and yeah. I'm just wondering if that has caused it. Yeah, they do like sort of well-drained conditions. So the, the wet probably has affected it. Um, have you fed the plant as well recently? Because that can be just another thing for hibiscus. They love cow manure. And so a good feed of cow manure often, um, you know, will help them along. Um, but uh, as far as it, uh, you know, having it in that nice well-drained position, not much you can do about it at the moment. Okay. Um, but uh, if I, I'm thinking that, uh, you know, even in two to three weeks' time, you might just give it a very, very light prune back. Um, Mm -hmm. just to almost a shave over the top just to try and promote some new growth. And the reason I'm saying wait just for two to three weeks is because then you'll get some new growth coming through. Uh, the heat will have gone uh, hopefully mm -hmm. you know, out of the air, so any new growth won't burn off, but it will also come back in time that it won't burn off in winter as well. So mm -hmm. we're just you know, going to try and thread the needle there for you. So two to three weeks' time, just a, a light shaving over the top uh, and, and see how you go. If it just generates some new growth and uh, tidies the plant up for you a little bit. Okay, thank you. I just won't need, don't want it to die because I've had it for years and never had a problem with it. But this year it's not looking good. Oh well, good luck with it. And yeah, just give it that little haircut and see what happens with it. Okay. And then later on, uh, you know, coming into September, August, September, you can give it some cow manure just to give it a good feed up. Okay, thank you, Scott. Okay, thank you, Wendy. Thank you. Bye. We've got Warwick now from Tamworth, and he's got a question about potting other types of fruit potting other types of fruit trees. It's always good to know how far we can stretch. And if we're all the way in Tamworth, that's a good thing. Well, it's the northern suburb of Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> Just a hop, a, hop skip, a hop, skip and a jump up the valley and across the mountains and there you are. Well, it's a lovely trip. It's a lovely trip. But you get that in the big world. What I'm ringing about, Scott, I was listening to the lady with the mango tree very interesting. Uh, uh, I, uh, knowing a little bit about building, I don't think I'd be leaving that tree there because I think eventually it will damage the house and it'll cost a lot of money. Yeah, so I, I, that's what I was thinking, whether it's her or the next owner that comes to the house and thinks, oh, that's a nice plant and just lets it go. Uh, yeah, it's a damaged city, I think. Yes, well, and it would not only... It can lift the house, it can then do all sorts of damage to the house. So I I wouldn't uh, like to think that she's going to leave it there. The other thing you, suggest, you were talking about, though, was people um, uh, growing mango, uh, mango trees in pots. You didn't, it's not a good idea. What I've seen lemon trees in pots. Is there dwarf trees or a fruit? What fruit trees can you grow in pots? Well, look, you can give a mango a try in a pot. It would have to be a fairly large pot and you'd have to be keeping it nicely pruned and keeping it under control. That said, you're only going to get, you know, a handful of fruit from a plant that size. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's really not, you know, the best thing to do. But otherwise, all citrus, there's many different dwarf citrus varieties, dwarf limes, dwarf lemons. Yeah. So absolutely ideal to grow in pots. But again, you know, the bigger the pot, the better. Uh, it's no use putting it in a little sort of 200 mil pot and expecting you're going to get a fruit bowl, you know, full of fruit off it. Uh, it just keeps it more healthy. Uh, you know, you've got more you know, backup for moisture in the potting mix uh, when you're in a bigger pot. 
So definitely you can grow a whole variety of, uh, you know, fruit trees. There's also dwarf, um, you know, for you up there in Tamworth, um, dwarf yeah. stone fruit that you can get now. So I think that would yeah. be an ideal situation for you. But um, look, I think for you, even if you were to go down the mango, mango um, path, uh, you know, in Tamworth, just a little bit too cold and frosty for you up there. Well, it can be a bit frosty, uh, especially with some of our politicians, but don't worry about that. <laughs> but, um, and look, the, that, that's uh, why we stick to the southern, you know, the southern suburbs of Newcastle, the eastern suburbs, where it's not so okay. frosty. Yes, well, as a, a very wise man said in uh, Queensland, don't you worry about that. The other <laughs> is, uh, fruit is strawberries. Yes. Um, growing strawberries. Do you? Is it best to grow them in those hanging uh, hanging pots or what? Look, it, it is in a way because it keeps them up and away from pest and disease. Yeah. Uh, it also keeps them off the ground so you don't get any rot there. I mean, you do remember the old sort of fashioned terracotta strawberry pots that yeah. we used to get. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic yeah. idea. You fill them up with soil and they had like little, you know, strawberry veranda or pockets or something I guess is the best way to describe it and they'd grow out of there, they'd trail down to the ground uh, and uh, you'd do very well. You could also put them into hanging baskets as well if you wanted to. Um, Strawberries are very successful and easy to grow on the ground but if you're a little bit uh, you know stuck for space then one of those old strawberry pots what a great idea. Yeah. I'm not even sure if you can still get them. I haven't seen them for such a long time. Uh, I haven't. Uh, but uh, the other thing is the more strawberries you pick, the more you get. Yes, just a fantastic little plant. Uh, again, really easy to look after. I think slugs and snails are their biggest issue. Um, yeah. So if you've got them up off the ground and away from those little pests, um, yeah. then you're going to have uh, you know, a much uh, more successful plant. Thank you, Scott. Okay. That's great. Thank you for the call and enjoy the drive. (laughs) (laughs) And the hot weather. (laughs) But they've been been, had a bucket of rain up there, I can tell you, on on Saturday night. Very, very good. Good on you. Thanks, Scott. Cheers now. Cheers, Warwick. Cheers. Thanks, Warwick. Birds don't mind strawberries either. Yeah, that's true. A bit of a net over the top. But I guess those old strawberry pots, they were fantastic. People have probably still got them lurking around because terracotta, as we know from those Etruscans, that terracotta lasts a long time. <laughs> that's why we have it on the roof of our houses. So if you've got one, pull it back out and see if you can get some strawberries growing. It's Gardening Talk back on to when you are FM and Scott Sharp. We're almost out of time for another week, but before you... Mosey on our What do you got for us for the rest? Of- yeah, look, we did mention dollar spot in the lawn. So a good time to get out there and treat that, especially, uh, you know, if we're going to have a little bit more wet weather underway. Um, what is dollar spot? Yeah, it's a, it's a fungal disease that uh, just stands like a circle in the lawn, like mm-hmm. a little dollar. Yep. You can get many spots of it, but then it can get bigger and bigger. You're going to get it in a, a wet spot, in a shadier spot in the lawn. Okay, yep. Uh, something, you know, it, and it always comes out when it's uh, humid at this time of year. Right, yeah. yeah okay. So people mistake it for army grub and stuff. So uh, just have a look and uh, see what dollar spot looks like and get out there and treat it with a fungicide. Uh, the other thing uh, you can get into the ground at the moment are your bulbs. Get, you know, for yep. the, win- the winter flowering bulbs like grape hyacinth. What a fantastic smelling bulb. Uh, daffodils as well. The snowdrops, they're absolutely beautiful. You know, get the really thin strappy leaf, yep. but lots and lots of little white flowers coming off them. And they just look so cute. <laughs> I just love them. Uh, so they're one to get in the ground at the moment ready for winter flowering. Excellent. Scott Sharp, we'll catch you again next Monday. Yeah, talk to you then. 
Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>